All right, everybody, thanks so much for stopping by another live episode of Real Estate Titans. I'm your host, Greg Fowler, traveling throughout the marketplace, interviewing the top real estate professionals in our field, from realtors, lenders, builders, developers, residential or commercial, essentially gathering insight, inspiration, really drives and motivates these top producers above and beyond everybody else in what I'd like to consider a real estate titan. Our very special guest and featured Titan for today, the man, the myth, the legend, David Knox. David, I'm so honored to have you. Thanks so much for taking the time. Thank you very much, Greg. I'm honored to be on your show. It sounds like you've been doing this quite some time. Yeah, it's, uh, this is episode 123, so we're wow. super excited. And again, just honored to have you, a man of your you know, legendary experience and knowledge basis. I know there's so much information that everybody's been able to take away. Um, I just want to dive in. I'm too excited. Uh, so let's go ahead and uh, just start with telling everybody a little bit about yourself. Oh, where do I start? I was born in Cedar Rapids, Iowa, moved in Iowa, Illinois, Wisconsin, moved to the uh, Minnesota in uh, the mid-60s and been here ever since, minus a stint in uh, Stamford, Connecticut. Uh, I got okay. the real estate business in uh, 72. I got out of college and I was sitting around one night with a guy, uh, Dar Reedy, one of my best friends, and he came over to the house. He said, so what are you doing tonight? And I said, uh, I don't know, nothing. What are you doing? And he said, well, I'm going to go take a real estate class, get my real estate license. And I didn't know. He and I had a painting company that we ran through college. That's how we paid through college. Wow. And he says he's going to get his real estate license. And um, he said, what are you doing? I'm not doing it. I looked at the TV guide. And there was really nothing good on. I said, well, what the heck? I'll come with you. So with that kind of commitment, I got into the real estate business. <laughs> and then I took a real estate class and got into the business in 72, age 22. Wow. And I've been in it ever since. And that's incredible, David. I mean, you look at it and, and again, the, the knowledge and expertise that you have. So what was, what was the initial draw into to real estate for you? Obviously, you know, talking about your buddy, but then going into it to where you are to today. I mean, what got you into doing what you're doing and literally yeah. internationally training the best of the best when it comes to real estate? Well, thank you. I, I mean, I got into it because I had nothing else to do. I was a young punk kid. I was young, <laughs> drunk, and stupid. And uh, I love it. It, I was. And if you ever saw the movie, The Animal House, that was my background. Oh, well, so there I you go. In, yeah. I get into the business and, uh, and I still take my college drinking, partying into the real estate business. And sadly that got in the way. First of all, I joined a very small company with no training. Meanwhile, my buddy Dar Reedy goes to one of those big multi-office companies and, um, I'd been following him all my life and he's a great mentor and my best friend. I had dinner with him a uh, night before last oh, wow. and I thought, well, I'm going to do something on my own how stupid to stop following my mentor during the best decision he made. So he called me up and said, Hey, a buddy of mine is starting um, a new real estate company in Minneapolis. And one guy's going to be Jim Gagner, who's the president of Delta Tau Delta, my fraternity. So I knew Jim and a guy named Ralph Burnett, who I didn't know, but he had a good reputation as one of the top managers with a company called Bermel Smaby, our president, NAR John Smaby uh, namesake. Wow. And I said, okay, I'll come over and join you. And I joined that company and, and Dar went on to be half owner and sold the company once to Merrill Lynch, sold it again to Caldwell Banker. Dar did really well. I was too young, drunk, and stupid to have been in management. Mm -hmm. and, uh, and I remember the year 1975, um, my gross commission income was 3560 bucks. I know because I got my, you know, the thing they send you from Social Security shows your gross <laughs> income, $3,600. I'm not worried about being audited for the year 19. 75. And wow. December 1975, I was, I was probably drunk 20 out of 30 nights. Unreal. And, uh, and just, you know, I was 30 pounds overweight, $17,000 in debt, and pretty much had destroyed my life. 
Wow. And I decided to quit drinking January 1, 76. I woke up hungover and I just said, I, I got to cut this out for a month. Hmm. And then February 1 came and I um, forgot that I could start drinking again. And then March 1. And then April. And pretty soon I had laid down a number of months. And, and the whole AA philosophy is, is one day at a time. And I kind of tripped upon that. And all of a sudden I became top agent of the month, month after month after month. Meanwhile, Ralph Burnett hmm. talked to my buddy Dar. And in 75, he said, we got to get rid of Knox. We got to fire him. And Dar's like, well, he's my best friend. But, you know, it's kind of like on Godfather. You know, we're going to have to take him out. <laughs> so so Dar great. goes to Ralph. I don't know if you ever saw the Goodfellas when they turn oh, to the yeah. guy. So what do we do? They turn to, uh, um, what's the guy? I forgot his name. But he said, what are we going to do about this guy? And he goes, De Niro. He goes, you could get that moment where he said, no, nah, we're not going to whack him. <laughs> Dar goes to Ralph. He says, hey, he's cleaned up his act. He quit drinking. He's been top agent. He's doing really well. So they didn't whack me. Wow. This was years later I found out I was going to get fired. Unreal. And uh, so I became good. It's amazing how much real estate you can sell when you're, when you're sober. Right. So I got involved in AA and all that kind of stuff and really cleaned up my act. And that's, that was one of my key significant moments in life that, for which I'm most grateful. Because uh, okay. had I quit drinking, uh, had I not quit drinking, I don't want to think about what could have happened. You know, hmm. killing somebody in a drunk driving accident, destroying my own. In fact, that was the thing that really got me to quit drinking because okay. I was at a point where I didn't care about myself. I'd wrecked my own life. But I thought, you know, killing somebody else, that's permanent. That's some serious stuff. Yeah. So I went on and I loved sales. I was good at it. And then Ralph Burnett, who is one of my mentors, you go to davidknox.com and go to mentors. Um, Ralph said, Hey, we're doing a course on working with buyers. You're really good at buyers. Do you want to teach it? And I was yeah, really, you want me to teach well, it? Well, sure. Sure. And I went in and did it prepared. I wrote a three-hour seminar. And uh, at the end, I went, oh, this is what I want to do for the rest of my life. Hmm. It just, it's that instantaneous moment. You had those moments in your life wow. of absolute clarity. And that was one of them. I don't have a lot of them, but that was one. And Ralph called me up and said, hey, how'd you like doing that? I said, Ralph, that was really fun. I love doing that. He goes, good. Well, they thought you were the best speaker the whole three weeks. Do you want to do it again? I said, I'd love to. And I ended up being the training director for the company it was called Burnett Gagner, went on to be Merrill Lynch Realty Burnett. And then years later, they sold to Colo Baker. Hmm. And, um, and that really was the start of my professional uh, speaking career. And hmm. then I went to a trainer director conference and met a guy and asked me to be a CRS instructor. And I auditioned and, and a good buddy of mine, Dave Beeson and I auditioned and, and became CRS instructors in, yeah, I think 79. And that was a big deal for me. And because uh, I had set a goal, I'd gone to a seminar by Lou Tice of Achieving Your Potential. Very cool. I had a goal to be a national speaker. And uh, I auditioned and I did a really good audition. On an audition, I was at 10. Wow. I went to the audition room and I did, we AYP'd Achieving Your Potential. I looked at the room. It was a little tiny room. And I went, oh, this, oh. So I mentally did my audition four, five, six times in the room. So I went, when I got to the audition room, yeah, I was comfortable. I was in it last night. I did this. 10 times, which I still do to this mm. day. Anytime I do a seminar, always go to the room, stand up on the stage, look around, visualize it full of people, go back to my hotel room, close my eyes and go, okay, how am I going to interact? So when I get on stage, I've been there a million times. Wow. So it's one of the ways that I've learned to uh, ease my way in. And then I did my first CRS course. Okay. I sucked, <laughs> bombed, I died. Wow. What happened? My senior instructor was a guy named Del Bain, who is another mentor. I hmm. love Del Bain. And I, 
and he just died. So it's, it's sad to lose a guy that changed my life. Yeah. But at the end of the course, I went up and I was tripping over my microphone cord, dropping stuff on the table, asking stupid questions of the audience. And the only thing worse than sucking is to not know you suck. Uh, well, there's one more thing. That's sucking and thinking you're good. <laughs> I thought, hey, I did pretty good. I can't wait till Dell tells me how good I am. And the, and the rule in all the CRS courses was the senior instructor takes you back, sits down in usually the senior instructor's room, and they critique you. And I said, so, Dale, how did I do? And he said, I took some notes. Oh, boy. I said, okay. And he says, you know what? I could go through these notes if you want, but let me just ask you, do you really want to do this? And I went, oh, yeah. I mean, I set a goal to be a national speaker. He goes, this is your first time in front of a national audience, isn't it? I went, yeah, it's my first time. He goes, it shows. Wow. He says, I think you ran over your head. Hmm. I went, what? He says, you know, I'll go through the notes with you if you'd like. He says, I'll tell you what you did right. He said, uh, you got up there. <laughs> you showed up. <laughs> yeah, it was first, you got up there. And I wow. said, uh, anything else? And he goes, no. Unreal. And for the next two hours, he point by point by point, all the stuff. He says, did you notice the audience? And I said, uh, audience? He says, they weren't with you. He said, I don't know if you noticed this, but half of them left. The other half were reading the newspapers. One lady asked for her money back. Hmm. And he said, did you notice that? Heck no, I didn't, you know, I didn't notice anything, which that's another lesson I learned. Watch your audience. Wow. Um, so I was in tears that night. I just thought, you know, they like me in Minnesota. I don't need this. And I thought, that's not the right attitude. <laughs> and I went two more days and I sucked not quite as much, not quite as much. And six months later, I had a course with him. Okay. And, uh, you know, I looked at my assignment. I think it was Tampa, Florida, senior instructor, Del Bain. I went, are you joking me? Seriously, I got to get Del again? Really? Get my face kicked in? <laughs> So my topic was pricing, getting listings priced right. And I'm, I was good at that on, on a local level. I was great at that. I knew the scripts. I knew the dialogues. And, um, and I had, this was back in overhead transparencies. And I must have had a stack this oh, big. Love it. Parts and graphs. And I get up in front and it was my turn. And uh, I'm going through all these pricing charts. And I'm looking over at Dell. And Dell's standing like this with his shoulder blades banging against the wall just to watch it. And I know I'm supposed to watch the audience, but how do you not watch him? Sure. So I keep going through the, <clears throat> the slides. And I remember at one point, I, I looked over to him and he went. Hmm. And to this day, it's one of the greatest signals I've ever had. Wow. Uh, and afterwards, he said, that was really good. Well, I took all those charts, graphs, dialogues. And years later, I put it into a video called Pricing Your Home to Sell. Very cool. A lot of these charts that are on there. Uh, became a product that really put our company on the map. We've sold out of half a million, who knows, pricing your home to sell videos where realtors wow. buy it for me. They loan it to the homeowner and they get listings price right. So we had VHS and we went DVD and then, um, and then we went online. So it's wow. I love that in the whole path and just revealing a few things and, and obviously not giving up and, and, and learning and taking that advice and, and that, uh, you know, that constructive criticism, a lot of people would have just given up and said, Hey, you know what? I'm just going to hang out in Minnesota. Maybe this isn't for me, but you kept pushing, you kept going. And obviously David, look at what you've done in, in, in this time that you've been doing this. And it's incredible. Um, and again, anybody who 
for whatever reason, if you don't know who David Knox is, go to davidknox.com, check his information out. It is amazing, amazing stuff. Really, really worldwide, world-renowned. Um, and I love that. And, and that gives everybody a little bit of uh, meat to, to chew on there. Uh, but I, I want to, before we go into the next question, and this is just deviating, um, you know, as typical from this uh, script here, I know you're a car guy, David, and there, there's a lot of car people that are out here. So I, I do, I would like to discuss just really quick, what got you into cars and why are you a car enthusiast? That sort of thing. Um, just, oh, just off the cuff. Well, uh, you know, I was sick of owning real estate cars and, uh, I got to say something to one person here. Uh, oh, you're good. You're totally good. Uh, somebody texted me and I texted back. I was in, I was in the wrong text. I want to let her know. Um, <laughs> David knocks everybody. This is great. I, uh, I bought a 69 Corvette back in 79 and I got a chance to join the Corvette club and put it on track. And I thought, you know, cause I really always liked speed. My father kind of taught me how to do double D clutch heel and toe down shifting, smooth oh. shifting and all that kind of stuff. And, um, so, um, so I went to the club and they said, and I said, this is my first time here. And I said, what should I be? in?" so, well, you would be in what's called the, you know, ABCD, you'd be in the D class, but since you're a new guy, we'll put you in the rookie class. Hmm. I said, okay, I'd probably feel better with that. Well, I, I not only won the rookie class, but my time would have put me second in the D class. Wow. I went, Oh, well, that's cool. So the next day I did the high speed run and I don't know what I finished somewhere. And I really got it into it. And then hmm. I got involved in the SCCA sports car club of America. I got my, a regional license, then I got my national license, and ultimately I got my professional racing license. And out in Connecticut, I raced Lime Rock, Watkins Glen, a bunch of other things, and I raced against Paul Newman. Get out of fact, here. If you do a search, if you do a search on Trans Am, Lime Rock, August 1986, you will see, you know, the Trans Am come up. And, uh, and I'd done the amateur class, and I was pretty good. I was 600s off the track record in showroom stock GT hmm. in a pure stock car. So I was good, Beautiful. I was a good driver. But in the, in the Trans Am, I was in an amateur car at a pro race. I was 500 pounds overweight, 100 pounds, 100 horsepower down. I didn't care. I wanted to play with the big boys. Right. So I, I qualified. I, I did a qualifying lap. And under a minute at Lime Rock is good. I think I qualified at a 58.7 or something. And I went, well, that's pretty good. Let's see if I took the pole <laughs> position. I went up there. Pole was taken by, I think, Pete Halsmerty, 53.5. He had wow. a five-second advantage over me wow that's so big the fastest guy coming by the start finish line goes zero one two three four five uh -huh. me yeah i got let in at promoter's option i started dfl dead freaking last oh, and the guy boy. at the track knew me so i started last and uh but it was fun it was i i think i was in 40 races i won the first one won the last one but this is the only one i ever talk about it's the only one i remember because i was it was a real race it was a pro race and i went from dead last 36th i finished 19th wow uh, paul newman lapped me five times <laughs> i know i was on tv five times but he'd come up behind me and i, I know he's leading because i can see number 33 up in the pole i go Ooh, I don't want to take out Paul Newman on his home track when he's leading. So I move over. Oh. He passed me. I tuck in behind him. I'd follow him around the West Bend, uphill, downhill. And I go, see ya. And, you know, 12 laps later, I saw him again. So, uh, and I, I guess that was another message I learned in life. To finish first, you must first finish. Wow. And I finished the route. So it was whatever, five laps down, but I finished. And I realized that you don't have to win the race to have it be the greatest time of your life. Hmm. And when people call in for sale banners, you don't have to get the for sale banner to enjoy, have the joy of going up and experiencing the stress of maybe 
being rejected. You know, enjoy it. How many people get to do that every day? So, uh, <laughs> well said. But after well that, said. I got involved in, uh, I stayed involved in racing. I was an instructor for the Porsche Club here in Minneapolis wow. for, I don't know, a year or two. So I'd take other people out on the track and scare them to death. A lot of fun. I love that, David. And, and I, w I wish I was there with you because I could imagine that if we were face to face, we could do this on the track and have it. We've done a few episodes on racetracks and in car dealerships. So um, I, I would, that would be amazing. It may be sometime from Minneapolis. I can get a few schooling lessons. I enjoy it all day long. Yeah, sure. Um, but uh, I definitely wanted to go into that. Okay, so let, let's dive back into it. I really want to go into one of the best questions when it comes down to it is what's your why, David? I mean, what really drives you, motivates you to do what you do to the level that you do it at? Interesting question. I guess, you know, when I grew up, I was kind of, I was always the insecure kid. Mm -hmm. Everybody else got the, got the good looking girls, not me. Uh, I was insecure with women. I was shy around them. And I don't think I ever really had any good attention or interaction. I was a drummer in a rock and roll band. And, you know, that'll, mm -hmm. That was when I was in high school, early college, you know, so oh, that wow. kind of gave you street cred, you know, you're the drummer. Oh, and yeah. uh, so a lot of my friends were very successful and I was raised nice family and we we're doing fine. But I, and then even in real estate, you know, going through those years of just being horrible and stupid and drunk. And then that moment of getting in front of an audience and actually being accepted and people coming up and thanking me. So it was a validating experience for me. So it was, wow. um, I don't want to call it an ego trip because that might be sound arrogant, but it, it felt good to do something where I was getting reward, not like instead of saying, well, dude, did you see how drunk you were last night? <laughs> so instead of that, it's like we really appreciated. We learned a lot. Then what you taught me helped me with, with buyers and for Ralph to come back. So that validation felt good. And that probably was my first motivator hmm. all the way through and probably and is to this day. Wow. Uh, when I can be in front of an audience where people come up and say, thanks, I learned a lot. So that's a real motivator. Uh, the other one is financial. Um, okay. you know, I have a lifestyle. I like to travel. I like nice cars and I like earning an income. So sure. that's a big motivator. So that's a motivator to run a good business, to do a lot of seminars, create products, market and sell and build that. So that's uh, been a big motivator for me. And, um, and I think the other motivator, I, had, I brought this photo over um, oh, yeah. one of my real life experiences for growing my business was, let's see if I can do this without a reflection. Let's see. Uh, there we uh, go. The BBBK group and anybody listening probably knows the four, but it's, uh, let me see way over on the left. It's uh, Howard Britton, who again, sadly died uh, about four or five years ago, myself, uh, Dave Beeson and Bill Barrett. So we call it the BBBK group. We were, wow. we were the four uh, upcoming young CRS instructors that had all become seniors. We'd become very good, high ratings. And we did the CRS celebration, two of us open, two of us closed. So through the years, all four of us would be speaking at these conventions. I'd open a brochure and I'd go, oh, Billy's going to be there. Oh, Howard's going to be there. Oh, Howard's day two. I'm day one. I'm going to miss him. So for years, we all, we were best friends and arch competitors. Wow. And we did what we call the BBBK meeting starting in 1987. Del Bain was with us and uh, a guy named Pat Zabie. And we would get together and and do brainstorming like a mentor club. We'd hmm. share P&Ls, financial statements. We'd share customers, clients, best practices. And uh, it was 80% business, 20% fun. And we did this for years and years all the way up through, I don't know, I suppose the mid-2000s. 
And by that time, we all had, you know, Howard Britton had his star power. Dave Beeson had his letter writer. Uh, wow. Bill Bear was heavily into management training, and I had my online videos and things like that. So it became, you know, 20% business, 80% just having a good time. Oh, but, you know, that was one of those things that, that really helped me in my life. I could call these guys. Um, sadly, I remember one day I had a horrible seminar day for some reason. I called up Howard Britton. <laughs> David, how are you doing? And I said, oh, we had a crop dad, this total audience. They were just really painful. He says, David, do you have cancer? And I went, no, Howard. Then you're having a better day than me. Oh. So that was when he was having cancer and going through that. And, you know, sad day we all we were going to his funeral. And, you know, so these are some great guys in our lives. And, wow. uh, but so, for your listeners, I often suggest maybe you get a group of two, three, four people that yeah. are business people, perhaps different industries, and uh, where you can share. And honestly, because when you have a good day, there's not a lot of people you can share it with. You right. kind of when your world is anti-wealth, you tell somebody to drive a nice car, let me tell you how much money I made today, you know, they'd want to punch you in the face. So, <laughs> Typically, yeah, personally, yeah. I've got some friends uh, that, you know, one of them's a billionaire, a half a billionaire. So when I call them up and I share successes, that's great. Uh, but they also will slap me in the face if I do something wrong. So right. I got people to do both sides of that. So, uh, yeah, but I guess over the years I've done 3,500 seminars, 50 wow. states, 12 countries. Unbelievable. And, and if you look at that and break that down for, for all those whys that you had mentioned, I mean, obviously having that friendship and camaraderie and, and almost like a, a mini mastermind group, uh, yeah, yeah, exactly. hold you accountable. I mean, I love having that, helping each other grow and succeed. I think that that's there. Uh, you know, breaking down your, your, your second why, you know, to me, I think you're looking at it from the standpoint of, you know, really sharing and giving and your passion, uh, I'm sorry, your first why, your passion behind really helping people succeed and educate and grow and, and really having that place that you feel um, that you're in that area and it makes sense for you and it makes you feel good, but then you make others feel good. And I, I find that a lot of top professionals and other Titans that have been on the series you know, finding your, your drive and determination in this life and then being the best at it and sharing it. I mean, that's amazing. And obviously that's a big motivator and driver. The financial aspect is, is, is there to me. I think it makes sense. The more you make, the more you can give, the more life and you can support the people you care for, charity groups, the whole nine. Um, so David, I, I, to me, that makes perfect sense. I mean, all those whys are really compelling and obviously driv driving you and have driven you to the success you've had to today, which is amazing. Yeah, um, it's a lot of fun, and I enjoy the. I mean, uh, I've always said my three favorite moments. Um, one of them is when I close the door in the hotel room after my traveling. I'm in, I'm done, and I'm at my event safe, and I can order room service and relax. The other one uh, is when the wheels go, the nose wheel goes up on the plane where I know I'm off to my next event. Wow. And the third one is when they say, and give a warm welcome to David Knox, and you walk out and face the audience. That to me is, you know, that's my greatest high. I love it. I love it. When, you know, the other one is at the end of pit lane where they go, go. <laughs> well, that, that's another level. To me, that's a little higher, but I'm a little biased on that. But uh, love that, love that. So uh, let's go into the next question into this, which is actually a crowd pleaser. Um, you know, the, the viewers and subscribers of the show, they really want to know what the Titans have done or are doing to grow and scale their business. Now, there's very few people that are more knowledgeable than you on this particular topic of scaling and growing, especially into real estate. So David, if you could look back at your career thus far and pick or choose one or two things that you added to your business that took it from one level to the next, what's that look like for you? And then also, you know, for anybody else, um, if they're not directly in your realm, you know, to take away from that for growth. 
Yeah, when I look back to, to the business growth, it got here and then all of a sudden launched, it was hiring a woman named Brenda Reiner. Um, I had actually dated her. We were, just, you know, we had a couple of dates. I met her here in Minneapolis and it was kind of when Harry met Sally of employment. Oh, I love it. That was okay. at a point where I was ready to say, okay, let's take my business to another level. How can I do it? You can't, I can't do it alone. And I talked to Brenda, so how, you know, would you like to work for me? And she said, well, then we wouldn't date anymore, would we? No, probably not. And we were fine with that. And uh, she turned out to be, she helped me grow the company. Hmm. And that was in, wow. oh gosh, somewhere in the 90s. And she did a great job. And okay. uh, I told her, I said, Brenda, I have a dream that uh, when it's time to go, you hand me a file folder. And in the file folder, name, pay, you know, everything to do with the seminar, time, date, place, flights, hotels, everything, you ship product there and I just go literally that's what happens you go here's your marching orders here's Tuesday Wednesday Thursday and I remember I'd get in a cab or I'd, la I'd sometimes land at an airport and I say where are you going sir and I go uh I don't know I don't know where am I going uh, all right the Marriott Courtyard on 17th you know I literally didn't know what hotel I was until I got there she unreal so we really grew the company she this office that we're in today she found she went out and found it so that was a huge hmm. thing so to okay. your listeners I think everybody knows you can't do it alone well said. So the first person helped me was Brenda. We grew the company and then we hired more people. Uh, this BBBK group, that actually happened before Brenda. And I thank these guys, they're mentors, they're friends, and, uh, and the whole CRS. I mean, I, I credit the CRS cadre for getting wow. me where I am. So, okay. um, so I've had a lot of help. I mean, even quit drinking. I had a lot of people say, you know, you got a drinking problem. I go, what do you mean? I get drunk, I fall down, no problem. Well, I <laughs> enough people tell me I had a problem. So, um, Anything that I have today, I can go back and I didn't do anything alone. It was all done with somebody else, Every, somebody, wow. whatever it is. Hmm. So, um, so I think it was the BBK. It was hiring Brenda. Um, the biggest thing that launched our business was that pricing home to sell video, which wouldn't happen had it not been for Delvane. And wow. uh, that really launched us into a series of consumer videos, preparing your home to sell, all those kinds of things. And um, so that was a big one. And, and then for the... Um, for growing the business as I got involved in training, I realized that you can talk to somebody in a seminar all day long. They don't get it. I, I've had been in front of audiences. I say, here are the three most important questions to ask in an open house. And they write it down. I say, okay, let's role play it. I'll come to an open house, ask me. And they, they can't do it. Unreal. Come on, I just did it for you. Heck, it's up on the screen. All right, here. here. Let's, let's read them. You wrote oh. it down. <laughs> yeah, you just wrote it down. They go, uh, and then they ask it wrong. So I realized that the only way to, to change behavior is to demonstrate the behavior. I don't know who said this, but five minutes of show me is worth five hours of tell me. So I created I a product called that. the Mentor Series, where okay. we hired actors and actresses, and we did three days on location where I played the agent, actors mm -hmm. played the customers. They were non-scripted. Okay. So I sat down. So Greg, if you were the seller, said, okay, I want you to be a seller, 400000 and the other company said they'd cut the fee 1%. You ready to go? Okay, go. And then you would do that. We just, it was all ad lib. Wow. I mean, I knew where I was going. Um, and that really put us on the map for training. <laughs> and that was a big thing because I found some narrow niche uh, and we sold thousands. They're still in our training. They're 20 years old. So our subscribers go in there. So who's this? Is that your son? I go, no, that's me 20 years oh, ago. They're so the good. Best. I, I just have the heart to take them out. Wow. Uh, so those are, I guess those are some of the first things that come to mind on growing the business. Okay. Yeah. And, and there's, there's a lot of uh, applicable knowledge into that, you know, for everybody out there, if you're scaling and growing, surround yourself with great people. I, I do want to dive in just a little bit on that. That first ad is when you got to that point, when did you know that it was ready to bring someone on David? Cause there's so many professionals out there that they know they need help 
and they, but they're just not sure. They're fearful. How did you know it was right? You get to the point where, you know, you you can't sleep at night because you're too busy. You're working too hard. You're missing stuff. Stuff falls through the cracks. You can't get to the phone calls. Um, I think for real estate agents, when all of a sudden you you know you get mailbox full. I want to punch him in the face when I mailbox full. How <laughs> stupid are you? You mailbox yes. full, or I'll return the phone calls between five and six. Or uh, shut up. Just answer uh, the phone, or give me a short greeting. I but when all of a sudden your customer service slips, uh, you're, you know, you call home and you say hi to your wife and you go, who's this? That's probably a clue. You've been away too long. So <laughs> yeah, you just feel overwhelmed. You know, you need some help. But this, but I think the secret to hiring somebody, number one is you have to be willing to let go. Wow. And that's hard because we're all control freaks. Nobody can do it as well as you. And my answer to that is you're right. Hmm. Period. I just agree with you. Whoever you hire is not going to do it as well as you. <laughs> I promise you that. At some point, they'll probably be better than you, but they won't write off. And then I, every time I talk to top agents who hire somebody, the words you'll hear 100% of the time are leap of faith. Hmm. You just, you just hire them. Okay. And you'll make, you know, if you hire somebody just even part-time for 30 grand a year, you'll make 30 grand a year more that year because you, <laughs> you know you have to pay for the person. So, right. Um, yeah, we do a lot of videos on teams and making that, but at some point you just got to decide you got to give good customer service so you can focus on what you do. List, sell, negotiate, and the rest of the stuff give to somebody else. Wow. I, I think that's brilliant. And again, anybody who's out there is watching or listening to this, um, th that rings true. There's tons of amazing advice in there. Hopefully you are writing it down, pause this, rewind it, whatever you need to do. Um, and again, check out davidknox.com because there's tons of information or, you know, reach out to David. I know he's a super busy guy, but uh, he's a wealth of knowledge. I'm happy to talk to people. I love it when people contact me. Happy to do oh. it. Love it. You heard it. It's, it's recorded. <laughs> David said that. So um, I do want to shift gears on this particular question, David, and I want to go into the next one. Now, this one's the tricky part of this particular interview and series. It's the challenge question. Now, I always segue into it. No one's exempt from this and challenging in their life, right? So if it's in the past, now or in the future, we all have hard times, tough things to deal with and, and battle through, um, whether they're personal or professional. But at the end of the day, I'm a firm believer it's not so much what happens, but how we respond, what we learn from, and I guess what we can share to everybody out there. So is there a challenge that you're willing to share that you dealt with, that you overcame? Yeah, I'll, I'll share them all. And I, uh, yeah, uh, I guess the first one was, you know, growing up as a kid, uh, you know, having that, that shyness, the insecurity, and didn't think, you know, the other girls in high school liked me. And it was just, it was a real kind of a burden I carried around. And um, I think it was 1983, years after high school, I went up to Madeline Island, um, beautiful place in Wisconsin. I ran into the cool girls, Vicki, oh. Carrie, Christine, all of them. Oh. And they were beautiful. And I was, I was afraid to even go up and say hello to them. And they all came up and gave me, oh, yeah, good to see you, Dave. And I go, I said, you guys, you were always the cool girls in high school. You were great. And they go, we thought you were the best guy in high school. We thought you would be the one most likely to succeed. I go, why didn't you tell me that when I was 16, <laughs> 17, 18? Where were you? Come on. Where were you then? You know, and uh, so that was a challenge that I don't know that I overcome it as I finally grew up and maybe felt better. And obviously my career helped me do that. Sure. Um, obviously the biggest challenge I had was, you know, alcoholism right. and, and doing that. Cause I quit in 76, but I still, I smoked marijuana. So I was fooling myself. So in 78, I got involved in, uh, outpatient AA and uh, outpatient treatment and then AA and that's really when so, so 76 it went like this 78 it went like that and then 
much better after. So that, was, that was a huge challenge. And, you know, mm. I've got a compulsive, addictive personality and it can help me and it can hurt me. Sure. Um, and then at age 27, which was kind of between those two, big challenge. I remember my net worth was zero. Wow. And that was a high point in my life. <laughs> Unreal. I got my net worth up to zero. I remember I, I was writing checks, you know, and I'd write a check to Shell Oil or the energy company or whatever it was. And my checkbook went to zero. And I went, hey, that loans, all my loans are paid off. I'm worth nothing. Oh, I'm worth wow. absolutely nothing. And it was a, I felt free. And there was a time I said, I'm never going to be worth nothing again. Wow. I Jim Rohn, Jim Rohn, one of my favorite mentors, had an opportunity to speak with him. Hmm. Uh, really powerful. And, uh, and I thought, I'm never going to be worth nothing again. So back to the motivation. I don't want to be worth nothing again. Yeah. Uh, I have balanced my checkbook, my Visa, my American Express to the penny every single month of row for 37 years. Wow, dude. That's I have amazing. not missed a payment on unity for 37 years. I pay taxes on time. I pay them early. Hmm. You know, I just, I'm never going to have it rule me. I'm going to rule it. So I love paying bills early. We, all of our bills, we get here, we pay them early. Love it. Um, so that was, that was a big challenge to me. And then 2008, 2009, the market crashes again. I almost hit to do it again. Sure. $300,000 line of credit. I was into a 286 grand. I had a $14,000 payroll and I was out of business. Wow. And, uh, I thought, are you joking me? Seriously? And I talked to my wife at the time and I think we're done. She said, do you want to be done? I went, not really. What are we going to do? And I said, we got all these videos on DVD. Maybe, you know, let's, the move, world's moving online. Well, let's go there. And I said, there's not a bandwidth. People can't hmm. even play a YouTube video. How are they going to play ours? <laughs> so we got them posted and finally the bandwidth uh, caught up and we were able to do that. And, and I remember the line of credit, same thing I had to feed. I called it feeding the beast. I had to wow. feed that SOB for year after year after year. And I remember I was sitting in Bradley Terminal on my way to Melbourne, Australia. Might find Dan there to speak Dan on for a couple of days. Oh, love it. Pause will come in for about $12,000. And I got online. I transferred it over to the loan and paid it off. And I went down to zero. And I went, yes. Zero. I hate that. Hate it. Hate it. Hate it. I got wow. that same line of credit. Haven't tapped it ever since. So oh, yeah. uh, I just don't ever want to go there again. So I'm grateful that finally I was able to do it. But I had a father who was very conservative who said, take 10% of everything you make and hide it from yourself. And had I not done that, I would have been in trouble. So thank you, dad, for, for teaching me that. Yeah. I, I mean, that's, that's great advice uh, all the way through and through. And, and David, first of all, I mean, it's not easy to air your stuff out in front of everybody. So the fact that you did that, thank you so much. I mean, if, uh, if myself, then, Oh, no, go ahead. Go ahead. And then the other, the probably biggest one is I went through a divorce with the woman I love being with her. 16 years and we got divorced wow. and uh you know very much in love with her and uh you know it just got to the point where it, it just didn't work out and um hmm. and i don't know for anybody listening of all the things i've gone through and described here you know near bankruptcy uh my entire family died my brother died mother father brother all died years ago hmm. and the most challenging thing of all was the divorce in fact you take everything else added up the divorce is still greater that's it was really painful Unreal. so uh but I wish her the best. She got remarried and, uh, you know, we're, we're, you know, we're friends. We talk to each other. Not a lot now. Now that she's gotten remarried, that's probably going to be not happening. But over the years, we, sure. you know, we're good friends. I sincerely wish her the best. And uh, one of the things I learned from Tim Galway, who wrote the book Inner Game of Tennis, there's three rewards mm -hmm. of human activity, uh, three outcomes of human activity, R-E-L, reward, experience, learning. Hmm. And R is a reward. Sometimes you win. 
Sometimes you read the book, it's great. You go on a listing, you get it. You meet somebody, you marry them, whatever. You, you get the R, winning, you win it. Mm -hmm. uh, sometimes you lose. So, so my race with uh, Paul Newman, I didn't win that thing, five laps down. But the E, the experience, greatest experience. That was one of my oh. favorite races. So you get the E out of it. So, um, so our marriage, you know, I didn't, it didn't, 16 years, we had a great time, but so sure. I lost the R. The experience of the divorce was horribly painful, but the L, the learning, the lesson. Hmm. And um, so no matter what happens in your life, you're going to get one of the three. Now, if you don't get the lesson, now you're screwed. Right. So I knew that if I came out of a divorce blaming my ex, it took two to get in, it took two to get out, and now I accept 60% of the of the responsibility for breaking up. You know, I hmm. look back, what did I do? So now what can I do to have the next relationship be good? How can I grow? How can I grow as a person? What were my mistakes? You know, how, how can I be a better guy? Because I can be a dumb guy in a relationship. <laughs> hoping, you know, that I can uh, be better off. And, uh, but it got me into physical health. So I started working with a trainer. So I'm probably in better huh. physical shape now than I was, you know, way back. So, you know, all of those challenges, I'm happy to share them because I've had people come up Oh, I'm in the program too. I just quit drinking whatever time ago. And I appreciate you having the courage to share because it gives me the motivation to stay sober. And I said, great, call me anytime. If there's any wow. For you. So, um, yeah. And that's the other thing. You know, if I've got to go th through all of this stuff, if I can help somebody else have a better life as a result of it, then at least it had some purpose. Yeah. I mean, I just, I can't thank you enough again for sharing that information. I know that there's so many listeners and viewers of this particular episode that are literally racking their brains thinking, gosh, look at all the different things that David has gone through in his life and all the experiences that he's had. And you just keep moving forward. You keep learning and growing and, and, and expanding. And it's, it's inspirational. It really is. I mean, so we all have bad days, right? It's all sunshine yeah. and roses, Yeah, but um, in the heart of some of them and, uh, you know, I've had the opportunity this year to meet, uh, to meet a woman who, uh, for the first time, I got to experience that romance and love and, and companionship. Oh, and love uh, it. We'll see. But it was like, that's just great. You know, it took a while, but so I'm very, very grateful. And she's listening to this interview. I still love you. So oh, awesome! Uh, big shout out! Big shout out! Uh, so, th David, this is amazing. I do want to uh, shift gears and go on to a topic that's a little bit softer. This is actually uh, one of my favorite questions. It comes back to the travel back in time. So, if you had a time machine and you could travel back in time, <laughs> any time of your life, any age range, it could be a year ago, it could be ten years ago, um, it could be little David. What piece of advice or two would you give to your younger self? I'd have to go back to the points that I mentioned. You know, I'd have okay. to go back to either one of those. <clears throat> and, uh, you know, in high school, somehow, some way, I'd say, dude, suck it up. You're okay. Life is good. You know, be assertive. Quit being such a flabby girl. You know, have, you know <laughs> stop it. You're okay. Take, be assertive. Take some risk and quit worrying about what other people think of you. Hmm. Beautiful. And uh, so probably that. Um, you know, I go back, you know, I tell myself to stop drinking, I, you know, yeah. I wouldn't have listened to myself. That, see, that's the problem. Okay. You know, so I, I wouldn't have listened. I as I listen to your question, I think, what do I listen to myself? I go, no, because people who drink too much, you know, they're, it took a lot of people to finally get through to me until finally I realized, okay, maybe, maybe this is an issue. Right. And right. it takes a while and it's, and it's sad that, uh, yeah, I, I, I guess that's my answer. I don't know if I would have listened to myself. Everything else, you know, I guess I can look at some of the mistakes I make and 
to get to where I am. I had to be where I had to go. So if I hadn't made the mistakes, maybe I wouldn't have learned the lessons I got. So mm-hmm. I don't know. No, no, I, I love that response coming down to it because uh, the, the lessons that we learn, the, the positive and negatives in our life, the, the books we read, the travel we do, conversations we have, movies we watch, uh, it makes us who we are. So I, I agree with you wholeheartedly. It's just an interesting question to go through because a lot of times, especially, you know, the younger David, hey, you know, just, just go for it. Don't, don't limit yourself. Don't be shy. Go, I mean, those are things that full-grown adults are dealing with right? Go after it, go do it. You know, that, that's, that's the kind of underlining note to that question, right? Well, Malcolm um, Forbes had a quote, I guess it was his, that's where I first heard it, who said, I'm usually more sorry for the things I didn't do than for the things I shouldn't have done. Oof, and um, yeah, that. you look back at the mistakes you make, it's usually opportunities I didn't take advantage of. Uh, maybe somebody I didn't walk up to and say hello or an opportunity I didn't capitalize on, but making the mistake, you go, well, at least, well, I tried. Hmm. So so I like that quote. Love it. No, this is, this is perfect. Yeah. This but is yeah, great. I'm going through challenges now. And you know, one of the things you, you learn is to let go and I'm not good at letting go. And I get up in front of audience and say, let go of the outcome to create more income to quote Deepak Chopra. <laughs> and I just, I wish I could be as good as some of the stuff that I teach. Sure. I'm sure. Best to audiences. You know, I say let go, but I just promise you, uh, I, I'm not good at that. I can be a control freak and, uh, mm-hmm. So, I'm, gosh, I'm trying. Yeah, no, I, I mean, David, whatever you're doing or have done, it, to me, it's working. And there's so many people who love you and respect you and, you know, worldwide in the, in the community of real estate and, and all the ways through. So I just, I love it. But it's really, it's really interesting for, for all of us to hear you say these things and, and just look at it and look at our own lives and say, like, if a man at David's level who's been through what he's been through has challenges too, look, it's okay. It, it is Okay. You know, just keep, keep pushing forward. And I love that. I think it's great. Um, So I do want to go into um, the the next crowd pleaser, this particular uh, interview and episode, and ends up being the feeding of the mind question, because a lot of the viewers and subscribers of this series, they, they want to know what the Titans are doing or have done to grow their minds. So I always lead into it with books you're reading or have read, podcasts you're listening to, um, or influencers, coaches, um, you know, mentors of yours. How are you feeding your mind, David? Uh, good question. I think if anybody wants to see, you can go see my mentors, uh, davidknox.com, somewhere in there have we have mentors. But, you know, I think back to s- things that really turned me around to be assertive. I think anything by Wayne Dyer is pretty okay. good. Uh, okay. Deepak Chopra, I saw him speak. I think he has some great stuff. I've read books on meditation. Um, trying to think. Um, lately, I've read a book called Spin Selling by Neil Rackham, oh, uh, yeah. which is really good. Um, Jeb Blount, uh, he's, Jeb Blunt, it's, it's spelled B-L-O-U-N-T, uh, fanatical prospecting and objections. Objections was kind of okay. I didn't know if I, I thought fanatical prospecting was good. Talk about interrupting versus bothering. Hmm. Uh, so I end up reading a lot of sales books over the years. Uh, you know, Wayne Dyer, Lou's tight, Jim Rohn. Um, mm. I don't do so many audio podcasts, but I like some video stuff. A guy named Mike Vance, who was the director of uh, Walt Disney University. I followed him quite a bit. Wow. Uh, Jim Rohn sounds a little bit like George Bush. Uh, <laughs> I, I just, I would say, go listen to anything on YouTube by Jim Rohn. Uh, I, I spoke at the Australasia Real Estate Conference, and I think Jim opened day one, I opened day two, and, I, and Wayne Dyer, or no, um, I forgot the other guy. Anyway, they have some really good presenters. Hmm. So my wife and I were having breakfast one morning, and I see Jim Rohn come in. I go, oh, that's Jim Rohn. I've seen him speak. He's going to be the opening. I say, excuse me, Mr. Rohn, I'm David Knox. I'm opening day two. You're opening day. Well, nice to meet you. I said, would you like to join us? For breakfast, I'd be a pleasure to join you. Comes oh, in, wow. like George Bush. <laughs> and I said, "So when did you get in? Got in last night about 
10, 15, right after the kitchen closed. I was hungry, wanted a sandwich. What'd you do? Well, I asked him for a sandwich. They said, sorry, the kitchen's closed. Said, I pulled out a hundred dollar bill. And I said, would this get me a sandwich? And they said, oh yeah, I think we could do that, Mr. Rowan. And then he said, and wow. I may be the only person in the world that heard this line. He says, money takes the no out of everything. <laughs> <laughs> That's so great. <laughs> so it, uh, you know, it could have been a line from a seminar, but hmm. uh, you know, those are some guys I've had the pleasure to, to work with and listen to over the years, you know, and I like stuff on meditation hmm. and uh, I'm trying to think well, and the benefit, you know, Steve Murray of real trends, I interviewed him and Tom Winninger, the head of uh, NSA. Uh, John Smavey was in our studios. We interviewed him this year. So a lot of the people that I include on our videos, top hmm. agents like Bob Wolf, a woman named uh, Venus Morris Griffin, who eight years ago discovered her has, husband had a double life, sent wow. to prison for 45 years, six hmm. kids to feed, only making 20 grand a year in real estate, um, 100 grand in debt, no place to live. And her divorce lawyer said, you better get a real job. And Venus said, real estate can be a real job. Give me a year. Hmm. So her neighbor says, I'll be an assistant for you. So here she goes. She's hiring an assistant, doesn't have any money at all. Now, now to be careful. Rhonda, her assistant said, I'll work for you for free. Uh, and, and Venus says, then I'll give you 10% of my gross commission income and I'll catch up as I start making money. And Rhonda says, don't worry about it. Don't worry. I, you know, I, I'm sure you're gonna, I know you're going to do well. I'm not worried about it. And uh, two years ago, Venus paid to her assistant $160,000. Unreal. So do the math on that. Yeah. So I've been uh, coaching. She was in our training. We have 17, 18 videos by Venus, which are just heartwarming. And yesterday she and I had a great call because she, I'm, I got her into NAR last year. I got her into NAR this year. Uh, <laughs> from that, she spoke at the Florida Realtor Convention yesterday, day before. And I said, Venus, how'd it go? She said, David, thank you so much. You know, um, you know, everybody loved that I had a line of people want to talk to me for an hour and 15 minutes afterwards. Love so that. by the way, if you want to interview somebody that it will be the most powerful interview you'd ever have, Venus Morris Griffin. She's with uh, Maybone Realtors in uh, Augusta, Georgia. She is a real deal and an wow. amazing, amazing woman. So I'd be honored and I, I will definitely uh, drop your name if that's all yeah, right, David. Like, yeah, you, you've got to get her on the show. Yeah. Um, yeah, people in her audience, they're crying with, you know, hearing how she came out of paying off her debts and now she's got a team and she's real to the year and top agent. Wow. And I'm just blessed to meet Venus. So my, <laughs> my motivation with Venus, I want to make her one of the top speakers in the world. Love it. That's what I want to do. And I can't wait till that. It's happening now. It's fun to watch her do it. Ah, that's incredible. And, and, and I just, I love the fact that you're, you're talking about so many different ways to learn and grow and, and obviously partnering with other individuals as well. And you went through, um, I just think that that's so compelling for so many people out there. And obviously you're, you're always learning, you're always growing and, and so many top producers and professionals, they look at it that way. Um, I'm going to have links in the comments down below. So hopefully everybody who's watching or tuning in, listening can follow and feed their mind the same way that David Knox is, or at least try to, yeah. uh, which I think is fantastic. David, I can't stress enough how amazing this episode has been, how you know informative and compelling the data you've been giving everybody. There's so many uh, takeaways to apply to life, entrepreneurialism, real estate. Um, I do want to wrap everything up with a final question. Okay. <clears throat> and this one ends up being the quote or mantra that you might live by that sums you up as a man, as a professional, what's that look like for David Knox? Oh gosh. I guess a mantra I've said over the years, pretty trite and then a billion people have used it, you know, the work hard, play hard. Mm -hmm. And uh, you know, I've always been that way. And I, yeah. 
I don't know how to do anything halfway. When I race cars, I go from amateur, I gotta be in a pro race. If I ski or scuba dive or fly planes, I get my license, you know, so all of those kinds of things. So I just, I kind of go full at relationships, kind of all in. So I suppose all in, but I think I'd be more, I don't know if I want to get known for that. I guess at my funeral, uh, I want people to say that I was a good friend, that I was loyal, I was honest, that they could rely on me. And uh, you know, that's what I want to be. I want to be a good friend to my friends. Hmm. And, um, and I think the greatest compliment that I've ever received or, or do receive is that if people see me speak and then meet me in person, they'll say there is no difference. Hmm. That who I am on stage is who I am sitting around uh, with Buddy. So Buddy, here's Buddy. This is my little Yes. Guy. Hey, Buddy. Big shout out to Buddy. <laughs> so yeah, I just... No, I just want to, I guess the word loyal, authentic, uh, just so I want to be to my audiences and, and to my friends. Wow, David. I mean, that, that's true all the way through and through. And anybody who does know you and has had the you know, opportunity and the blessing to meet you in person, I have a few times in my life and I'm, it's been an honor. And now to do this and have you on the show, it's even, even more incredible. So I just want to thank you again. You are an official real estate titan, my friend. So thank you so, so much. Um, for doing this. I want to thank everybody out there who tunes in. Um, you know, thanks so much for your love and support, your time and attention. Uh, if you like what we're doing here with Real Estate Titans, please do not forget to like the Facebook page, subscribe to our YouTube channel, and have a listen on iTunes, Spotify, and Google Podcast. Live every Tuesday and Friday afternoon, a different Titan, a different location. We'll catch everybody on the next live episode of Real Estate Titans. Thanks, Take Greg. Care. You do a great job for the industry, and uh, thanks for including me. It was an honor. Thank you so much, David. I'll talk to you later.